the Sky Captain porn parody? Did you find it? Oh, no, oh, I no. thought that's what you were talking about. No, I was looking at Familian, too. Oh. I needed to still... We're doing that one again, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, the first one we didn't record it. Virtual Encounters includes a scene from Beach Babes to Cave Girl Island, which is a David Decato movie. Excellent. Yeah. What a crossover. Yeah. It all adds up. What are we doing? Well, the truth is out there, because it's time for the Raincoat Files again. Oh, yes. It's time once more that we dive in. In space, no one can hear you cream. Yes. That's the tagline. I didn't put it on the ad. Cause really it really fucked up. It wasn't like a movie poster like I normally do. It was like a tabloid. Oh, yeah. There's no place for it. If I find a if I find a good image, maybe I'll still make one. <laughs> okay. But perhaps not. But you said it. So, they, at least it didn't go unused. Well, it didn't really apply to this one at all. No, not to... <laughs> We haven't got off Earth yet. <laughs> we haven't, no. We'll get there. We're still in the startup stages. But what we do have this week are robots. We do have robots this week. So welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hello. That and, was the robot voice. Oh. Did it sound like one? A little bit. Hello. There you go. Hello. I am the computer. You like that one? <laughs> yes. It's very computery. It'd be the computer from Frankie and Johnny were lovers. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's what I that's what I would like to be if I were a fully automated machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, uh we'll be taking a trip to France this week. This is a lovely place for filth. Yes. We'll be seeing the hot new technology that the French enjoy. Yes. Uh, this week we're checking out the new product. It's Le Femme Objet. Or, uh, as it has been localized in English, programmed for pleasure. Yes. A, a little film from 1981 by Claude Mulot. Yes. Uh, have you seen many Claude Mulot films or any before this? I'm going to go ahead and say no. So, I've seen a few of his films. Um, he directed a gothic horror movie called The Blood Rose. Okay. Which is pretty good. Um, it's got a little bit of sleaze to it. It's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but that was one of a handful of more... Uh, mainstream-ish films that he made. But he had a long run of doing erotic films as well. Oh, yeah. uh, it looks like he did most of those under a pseudonym. Yes. Frédéric Lansac. Yes, which is the case for this film. Um, another one I've seen is uh, Sins of the Flesh. Mondo Macabro put that out fairly recently. Okay. Was that an adult one or is that a horror it is a, it's an erotic film that's maybe not completely hardcore, but getting there. Okay. Well, this one certainly gets there and goes beyond. Yes. 
He also did a couple, uh, a film called Pussy Talk about a talking vagina. Excellent. Um, and Pussy Talk 2, the sequel. Pussy's talking now. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also seen his last film. It's Le Couteau Sous La Gorge, but it's uh, like a knife to the throat, I believe, is the translation. That's a, that one sounds violent. Yeah, it's more, it's not an erotic film. It's no. like a sleazy late 80s slasher with Jallo influence. Okay. So he's gone really all over the place. He's a more of a Jess Franco type than just someone who focused his camera on uh, hardcore pornography. Yeah, and I would say, like Jess Franco, he probably has more erotic films than anything else, but he has uh, a few that dip outside of that. Yeah, um, and those are probably some of the better known ones, just as they tend to be. Right, right. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, this uh-huh. one is delightful, and uh, you know he'd already been doing this for a while. But I think one of the people that has to be pointed out is Marilyn Jess, who plays Kim in this film, as uh, she is like an eleven out of ten in this film. Yeah, she's uh, amazing. The absolute uh, smoke show. <laughs> yes, uh, without a doubt, um, she's a beautiful lady robot. She is, and she has quite a career herself as far as uh, French erotic films are concerned. Uh, She has 106 credits on IMDb at this point. Mm -hmm. She mostly stopped after the late 80s, but she's had a couple recent small roles in things. But uh, this is earlier in her career although by this point she had made a whole lot of movies <laughs> sure that's uh you know it's how it tends to go yeah she started in 78 this is 81 but she probably had a solid like 30 films before this so um but uh she's a delight yeah, in- yeah just scrolling down it's a long list from like when you hit like 81 until you hit 78 so 30s probably being conservative yeah but uh she is kind of a legend in french erotic uh cinema and uh you know you can how see could why. she not be yeah i think you can definitely see why hell yeah she's the perfect woman built by an imperfect man yes quite an imperfect man himself yes this sounds more or less based on like i guess the myth of pygmalion yeah who's a sculptor who built his perfect uh, woman and things end up going pretty wrong it's a story that gets copied a lot which is understandable it's a, it's a myth yes uh, it's, uh, it was the influence for the opening of misty beethoven as well yeah yeah um i guess it's also kind of like frankenstein as well yeah is a similar kind of story yeah maybe that's what i was thinking about and there's a lot of erotic frankenstein films so you pick out which one of those you think i should have said uh the erotic rights of frankenstein yes yes that one is a bird woman yes it does we're gonna have to talk about that one this franco february it can't be held back any longer even though it's not that hardcore yeah. It's just erotic enough that we'll, it'll fit right in. It has naked people being whipped in a room full of knives. Yeah, that's it. 
We'll just start covering any movie with just like one sex scene. Yeah, we're fuck s- it. You know, we're spiraling out. <laughs> well, thankfully, we're not really stretching this week. Um, no. Although there is some stretching happening here. Hell yeah. Some holes getting stretched. Fuck yeah, let's talk about those old holes. All right, well, we'll take a break real quick, and then we'll be back to talk about Le Femme Objet, or Program for Pleasure. gonna click on an ad that says hot porno poker now yeah uh when i was a kid my dad had one of those big johnson shirts <laughs> and it said liquor in the front poker in the back <laughs> it was uh i was like once i got it i was like that shirt's pretty great my dad didn't like it i think my mom got it for him he was like this is inappropriate <laughs> that uh, does seem kind of inappropriate. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I don't think he wore it that often. I'm, if he still has it, maybe I'll uh, I'll break it back out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yeah, but no, um, I'm was gonna play porno poker, but I decided I should focus and we should talk about the movie. All right, so the film jet opens with uh, Nicholas, our uh, lead, who's focused on here. Mm-hmm. He's typing at his typewriter or smoking or smoke typing uh, as this happens incessantly throughout the film. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty smart way to get a lot of footage uh, of uh, a guy just doing one thing and then just pepper it through the film. Yeah, and just throwing some narration to hook scenes together. Yeah. Well done, uh, Claude. Yeah. Or as the French say took three years of French. You think I would at least know how to say, like, well done. Trabian. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, he's drinking some J&B whiskey, as is tradition in a uh, European film. Yeah. Um, I've never had it, but it looks... I think it's pretty cheap. It's in every Jallo. Is it? That's yeah. amazing. Uh, I've... Like, I've seen it here in stores. I've just never bought it. Maybe I should, but then again, maybe I shouldn't. Bad stuff seems to happen to people that drink it based on what you're saying. I don't know. I need to rewatch Deep Red because it just came out on 4K disc, so I should probably buy a bottle of J&B to watch it. That sounds like a really lovely evening. Yes. Yeah. Well, what's also very lovely... Is this film? <laughs> yes, good, good transition there. <laughs> Nicholas, who is our lead here, tells us a narration that he doesn't even know where to begin telling his story. He talks about how he's told many fantastic tales, but this time it happened to him. So it's like the opening of a penthouse form letter. It sure is. This 
part I didn't get originally because it was in French without subtitles, so I had to fix it, and I just never went back to hear what he had said. Oh, okay. So thank you. <laughs> so Nicholas is a science fiction writer. Yeah, I, I knew that. And that is our tie-in to science fiction for like the first half of the film. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Nicholas and a woman walking down the street. They're avoiding a puddle. He explains that he's a normal 32-year-old. Well, almost. What makes him a little less ordinary is the fact that he has a tremendous sex drive. He mentions that when he was 14, they had to change their maids every three days because they were tired of him harassing them. Yeah, he was just uh, harassing or banging his way through about three maids a week. Right. That's got to be... Uh... It's got to get tough to find one after a while. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've never had a maid. He says that he's tried all the whorehouses in the world, but eventually they'd all get tired of his appetite. But today, the day that we're seeing now, was special because it was the day that he met Sabine. We see him fucking her under a sheet or a thin blanket, missionary style, with her legs held back. Uh, this goes on for a while. He's really laying some pipe here, as is tradition with him. Yeah, he's in his uh, sexual silk tent. Yeah. He's pounding away. Yes, he is. She uh, starts to blow him a little and finally finishes him off with her hands, uh, sucking and licking up the cum as he finishes. He says, at long last, he found the ideal lover. We then see them walking down the street in tennis gear. He notes she accepted his whims and fantasies, even the crazy ones. We see them walk into a bar and order water. Nicholas whispers to the bartender and uh, tells Sabine that he's going to make a phone call. Then we cut to him and uh, he's getting blown by Sabine in the back room. So there appears to be a room here that's like the telephone room. Yeah. That has a sink in it. Yeah. It looks like a... I thought it was a bathroom. Yeah. But apparently it's a telephone. Yeah, the the door has, like, telephone on it or, yeah. like, telephone A or whatever. <laughs> whatever the French telephone is. Telephone. I took multiple years of French myself, so... <laughs> it's okay. It's not a memorable language. <laughs> she blows him for a bit and reaches down and rubs herself as she's going at it. The bartender is talking to a customer and then tells them that he'll check to see what's going on back there. We cut to Nicholas going down on Sabine as she's sitting on the counter, and then he starts to fuck her as she's leaning back on the counter. The bartender opens the door to the telephone room and sees them and uh, stops to watch. Uh, Nicholas is really railing her. (laughs) They go at it for a bit and then make out. Uh, We see the bartender sneak out. And then uh, them leaving the bar. We get an establishing shot outside of Nicholas's apartment and then see him controlling a robot R2-D2, which is heavily featured in this film. Yeah. He's cute. Yes, he is. he makes a very annoying sound. <laughs> Just a constant, like, siren when he's on. <laughs> So he's rolling around this R2-D2, but across the room, Sabine's masturbating and sucking her thumb. 
after a bit, he puts down the remote and starts to pay attention to her and encourage her as R2 keeps running back and forth across the table. Uh, after a bit, she stops and seems kind of frustrated. We cut to Nicholas Smoke typing again, grabbing some J&B. He says that Sabine was getting tired of his appetites and says that she wasn't as willing anymore. We cut to Sabine doing dishes in like a bra and thigh highs and an apron. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nicholas comes up behind her and starts to kiss her. And then uh, pulls her hips back so she's leaning forward and starts to fuck her. Yes. She is allowing this to happen, but it seems to be internally just complaining about it. Yeah, she's not into it uh, as it goes on. Which, uh, it seems it's to the point where she can't get any chores done around the house. Right. So I think she has cause to uh, to complain. Right. Well, it, it's mentioned at some point that he's doing it, like, hourly. <laughs> like, that he has to have his sexual needs satisfied, at like, hourly-ish. That's um, insane. That's You'd be so chafed and, yeah. em- and empty. <laughs> but, like... And I guess, I don't know, I'm assuming he's a writer. He probably gets up at, like, 11 a.m. at the earliest. He's probably drained dry by about 4 <laughs> and he wants to keep going. He's, I don't know. I feel like his anatomy is probably altered to accept that at this point. I think you might, and, you must be right. And now if he goes like two hours without getting his balls drained, he starts to whine like a cow. <laughs> it needs to be milked. <laughs> they say Jeffrey Epstein had to have like sex like so many times a day too. Hmm. I think there's a there's something there. Well, let's not explore that too deep. Yeah, it was just a it was just a random thought I had about <laughs> uh, that that man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one good thing about Nicholas versus Jeffrey uh, Epstein is uh, I don't know. I'm gonna just drop that segue. He doesn't seem to be a prolific pedophile. <laughs> yes, and that's true. He will live to get what's coming to him. <laughs> that is that is also true. Okay, that's it. We can stop talking about it now. <laughs> Nicholas rails away at Sabine, and she asks him, "What about the dishes?" Uh, she was trying to continue to wash the dishes as he's railing her, but you know, she eventually breaks the wine glass as he's plowing away. We cut to the streets, and he's talking about how he was out of ideas. So next, he would try tenderness with her. So he comes home dressed in a suit and calls out to Sabine. She's in this room with a glass door, just uh, laying back on a couch and seemingly asleep. Um, But her little uh, gown that she's wearing is pulled up so you can see her vagina. Yes. She's either asleep or acting asleep, I'm not sure, but uh, he knocks a few times at the door and she doesn't answer. He mentions that he won't even touch her, but uh, she doesn't respond. Um, But he eyes her vagina a few times and then finally pulls out his cock and decides it's time to jack. Yes, Jackie does. Uh, He blows his seed all over this glass door yes he does and he smears it around with his dick he smears it around and you can really see how 
gelatinous it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, that's not tenderness. <laughs> you know? Well, well, he was going to try tenderness, but when she was asleep, it became plan B, which is come all over the glass. Okay. <laughs> She probably, like, woke up and, like, saw the cum everywhere and was like, that's it, I'm out of here. (laughs) Nicholas says he was lost, and we see him smoke typing again. He says that he then had an idea to mix business with pleasure. So we see him walking down the streets, and we get some more narration that explains that he decided to get a secretary. He interviewed a few before deciding on Lucille, who seemed to have the qualities required. We see him walking around, leering at a woman through a window. Then we get a shot outside of his apartment, and then cut to inside of his apartment where Lucille is typing, and Nicholas is smoking by the patio door. He then approaches Lucille and starts to rub her neck as she's typing. He then starts to rub her tits. She says if he carries on like this, she won't finish chapter six tonight. Uh, But he continues to rub on her body, and she says, seriously, she'll never finish if he keeps this up. We then cut to him going down on her as R2-D2 watches on. (laughs) He notes in narration that Lucille felt like sticking it out every time he felt like sticking it in. We see him fucking her doggy style until Sabine comes home. She walks in to find uh, Nicholas fucking his new secretary. She says don't stop on her account, and uh, he doesn't. He continues to just rail away at Lucille. Yeah, he's just pounding and pounding. While Sabine uh, starts grabbing a bunch of her clothes and throwing them in bags. Sabine tells Lucille that she hopes that she has good life insurance. Nicholas notes that he was having as much fun as he was when he was first with Sabine. We see him pounding away at Lucille, and finally he pulls out and comes on her ass, rubbing his cock on her ass, uh, rubbing the cum in. Cut to him reading some papers as Lucille's blowing him. After a bit, he comes in and around her mouth, and she blows him a bit more. He tells her that she did a good job. In narration, he says Lucille was frustrated. Before, she only did it once a day, but with him, it was more like once an hour. Yes, there you go. We see her riding him cowgirl. He pulls out after he's come, and we see it kind of dribble out, and she grinds and rubs her breast more. We cut to another scene of her blowing him on the couch. He uh, finishes, and she licks his cock a bit more. Back to him smoke typing. We see him dictating to Lucille something about robots programmed for pleasure. Yeah. uh, The titular line for the U.S. release. Yes. He's talking about writing chapter five. I thought maybe it's a different book because they were working on chapter six earlier. Or maybe he doesn't write it linearly. Perhaps he he did, like, a first draft, and this is the second draft of Chapter 5. It sounds insane and kind of terrible. (laughs) He's talking about, like, the city. He says witches. The subtitles say wizards. Oh, okay. Uh, He's talking about the city of wizards and how some of them survived, and they had robots that they used for their pleasure in their new cities. 
Gotcha. Um, and it just doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in reading. <laughs> Fair enough. As he's talking, she's writing, and uh, he comes up behind her and pulls up her robe and starts to fuck her in the ass. She says she can't write with him doing that, but uh, he just keeps going, and he asks if she's taken it all down yet. She says again that she can't write, and he's just pounding away. She tells him to slow down, and she really does try to continue to write. Yeah. She's dedicated to her work, and... um... That's rare in this day and age. He keeps laying that pipe, and eventually she just kind of leans forward, and uh, apparently she's passed out. <laughs> yeah. she She's exhausted. Yeah. By her, all this dick. Her body can't handle getting this much pipe laid. <laughs> she's all open and loose, and just nothing feels right. <laughs> she can't feel below her waist. <laughs> he he tells her to wake up as he continues to fuck her and he pulls out and comes on her ass he then asks her if she's sleeping and she tells him that she's tired she can't take it anymore we see him typing and then he talks about how she was asleep he's clearly offended by this we then see Nicholas arrive home He's calling for Lucille, but gets no answer. She's left him a note. It says, Goodbye. I want to live for a few more months. Lucille. <laughs> he rips it up and calls her an impotent bitch. We then see him walking the street, talking about how he had nothing now. He needed the help of a sex god. And he says a sex god did help him, in a way. He talks about how he had been approached for an adaptation of one of his films. We then see him talking to the producer of the adaptation. Or the director, actually. Uh, but he walks away, leaving Nicholas with Olga. Olga's apparently doing design work for this film, so, he, so she starts to show Nicholas some sketches. As she goes over them with him, Nicholas kind of circles her and starts to get handsy with her. Yeah. It's all more sci-fi bullshit, like the cave of the leopard women and <laughs> right. the capital of the city, like Omicron or something like that. And it was just like a fucking drawing of some stairs. <laughs> right. I was like, that's bullshit. Uh, the art's okay. Uh, like, not to get too far ahead, but when he's railing her, you can see like one of the leopard women and she's cute. Just a little cat girl. Yeah. Like with some big titties, you know? So, uh. Maybe I would watch the movie, but I wouldn't read the book still. <laughs> Fair enough. She asks what he's doing, and then he lays her back on the desk, and uh, immediately they undress, and he starts to rub his dick on her outer vagina before pushing it in and fucking her. R2-D2 watches on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's everywhere in this movie. I guess you can't get in any trouble with, like, Lucas Arts or Fox or anything for just having like one of their like a product from something being in a film. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think there's any kind of legal like if you make an R2-D2 toy and someone puts it in a movie I don't think you can get like mad about it. No I don't think so. I wish it had been the actual R2-D2. <laughs> he could have been uh, he could like sprayed oil and bait him get all slippery 
He could have uh, stuck out that little probe that shocks people. Oh yeah, he could have uh, could have shocked Marilyn just to life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, this goes on for a while. Him railing her on this desk, and he pulls out and comes on her pubes. All right, I got one more R two D. I'm gonna get him added to the cast on IMDb <laughs> to the, for this film. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's my new project. We cut back to Nicholas smoke typing. He says Olga never returned after that. She sent her designs by mail. He said he was starting to stare at the mailman. He was so desperate. Then he had an idea. The idea of all time struck him. We cut to R2 outside and Nicholas is playing with it in a remote. He explains that the hero in his novel, The Ideal Servant, had constructed a robot to help him. He said that this robot would be used for a different kind of work. He said the design process took forever. We see him with some cell drawings uh, that he's doing of his robot. Yeah, he's drawn Marilyn Jess, and sometimes he flips to another cell where she has a robotic tit or like a Terminator head. Right, yeah. Um, and I don't really understand what training he has as like an engineer right, that yeah. allows for this feat. To, uh, yeah, you would think that he was a very well-trained engineer, in fact. Yeah. Like, the best in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, the best ever, maybe. Right. He's done what that nerd Pygmalion could never do. Yeah. He, he didn't have to make her out of clay and then, like, wish to the gods. <laughs> he built her in his garage, and she can suck like three dicks at once yes <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to inside and we see some of those drawings hung up on light boards um in this room in the dark and then we see her laid out on the table and this is Marilyn jess as kim mm -hmm. he said that it took months but science fiction was about to become reality it's gonna become science fact he says she was a female object, my female object. That being the titular French line. Yeah, that's the title. That's the name of the movie. He pulls a lever, and the lights flash in the room, and we get a zoom in on her face and uh, cut back from him to her, and we see her eyes open, and she looks at him. He approaches her, lights still flashing. He grabs her tits and has a remote in his hand. He caresses her body up and down and examines her. She then starts to masturbate as he's inspecting and caressing her. He puts some lipstick on her lips. Uh, she's laying there with nothing on but thigh-high leather boots, which he thought to put on her before uh, <laughs> bringing her to life. He said that he was overwhelmed with joy, and he named her Kim. Cut to him smoke typing again. He says, God created women. I created Kim. We're even. <laughs> we see him laying in bed and he hits his little remote button. And Kim walks in wearing a bunch of leather. She gets down on the bed. In narration, he asks if she was programmed right. We see her unbutton his pants and he says that his doubts about her programming vanished. He hits the remote again and she starts to blow him. 
He double taps the remote and she goes faster. We get some close-ups of her ass bouncing up and down as she's blowing him. He hits the button again and she starts to stroke his cock. What does this button do exactly? I don't know. It looks like he has two buttons. It's like, like a, it's an up and down button. Yeah, it's like a back and forward kind of button for his right. R2-D2, but that's not what we're using it for anymore. Yeah, I don't know how the inputs work here, but he seems to have a good idea of it. Yeah, he's the greatest engineer of all time. I'm sure he's <laughs> figured it out. Right. But uh, me, just a regular the stupid idiot, I don't understand how you get all this control out of just uh, one button. Right. uh, Well. He hits the button again, and she starts to stroke and suck him, and uh, she keeps at it, and he comes in her mouth. We see the cum dribble out, and she continues to lick it for a while and suck on it more. We cut to another scene, and she's wearing a, a belt around her midsection, staring into a mirror, and he's watching her. In narration, he says she was much better than a rubber doll. Obviously. He said he let her get to know her erogenous zones. So we see him sitting on a stool and he hits his remote and she starts to caress her nipples and breasts. He guides her by pointing the remote at her and she starts to play with her vagina. We get a slow zoom in as she goes to work. Some shots of her playing with herself from below. He hits a button In the shots from below, we see her kind of squatting down towards the camera. He says, thanks to Kim, I found the will to work again. He worked on the film, uh, and Kim was always around to please. He asks if Dr. Frankenstein had this sort of rapport with his creature. He did not. No, I don't think so. Not yet, at least. We see him at the typewriter hitting the remote, and Kim turns around and gets into doggy position. He comes up behind her and starts to fuck her. We get some close penetration shots from underneath. He comes inside her and we see the cream pie from below. Cut to more smoke typing. He wanted to see how she would work with an outsider, so he decided to use Byron, the film director, as a test. We see Nicholas and Byron talking. Byron's asking Nicholas questions and he's half listening to him. Nicholas is sitting there holding the remote and looking at it. Byron reads some stuff and asks if he minds if he changes the ending to the story. Nicholas says no. He hits the button and Kim walks in with a tray of drinks. She sits it down and as she bends over, Byron gets a view of her vagina from behind. Then she sits down in Byron's lap. Byron protests a bit, saying she's pretty and all. But Nicholas, at the other hand, uh, gets on the other side of the room and sits down in a hot tub in the corner of the room. Yeah. And he sits there and watches as Kim starts to blow Byron and then rides him. We see this one sh- wonderful shot of Nicholas's boner emerging from the water. <laughs> yes. Like uh, Freddy Krueger's hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, like the Loch Ness Monster... <laughs> Yeah. Breaching the surface of the water. Oh, yeah. He uh, strokes it. Yeah, just like the Loch Ness Monster strokes it. Yeah. <laughs> Byron says that Nicholas is quite the host. 
In narration, Nicholas notes that there's no way Byron knew he was making love to a robot. She was more feminine than any woman he knew. She rides Byron Cowgirl for a bit while Nicholas watches and strokes. Kim strokes Byron with her tits, and then we see Byron fucking her sideways. He pulls out and comes on her pubes as Nicholas watches. We then see more smoke typing with Nicholas. He notes that Byron wanted Nicholas to write his next movie, too, and for Kim to be the star. Nicholas found this pretty amusing. Uh, we then see Nicholas come home, and he finds Kim and Sabine waiting for him. Sabine notes that Kim's charming, but very quiet. Nicholas says that she doesn't talk. He mentions that she's Norwegian, that's why. Yeah, she only knows Norwegian. Right. Sabine says she came to get her clothes and to leave more room for his Norwegian. She says she doesn't seem to have much of a wardrobe. We see Sabine packing up in the other room and Kim walks in. Sabine says not to worry, she's done with Nicholas. But Kim approaches her and then uh, urges Sabine down on the bed. And uh, Sabine asks what she's doing. Kim unbuttons Sabine's shirt and starts to kiss her. Nicholas is in the other room drinking, seemingly unsure of what's happening. Kim licks Sabine's nipple and caresses her body down to her crotch. Uh, and she starts to kiss and rub on her before leaning down and delivering some oral. Nicholas gets up, seemingly to put on some music, but he hears something in the other room. So he walks into the room to find Kim going down on Sabine. Nicholas responds by hitting some buttons on the remote. Sabine tells Nicholas to leave them alone. He's not wanted here. She tells him to let her come. That'd be the first time it's happened in this apartment. Damn. Savage. But uh, Nicholas's buttons pressed uh, do nothing, so he goes back to smoke typing and mentions a narration that that was the first time Kim disobeyed him. I, I gotta ask you real quick. She, since Kim's getting shared around now, do you think there's a cleaning process? I don't know. For I Kim, feel like... before you share her with the friends, <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah, I'm not sure because. She's not human, so all that stuff isn't, like, occurring naturally where, you know... The lining uh, of the uterus yeah, and everything like flushes would, everything yeah, out. Yeah, everything would get flushed out, so there's just a bunch of cum up there, and it's a lot of his cum, obviously. Well, with a fleshlight, you could just run some hot water through it right. to clean it out. Uh, that seems like it would be more difficult with this unit. Maybe you could just, like, see, like, a... One of those things, like it was like tubes. Her vagina is like one of those tubes at the bank. And you just click it and just pull it out, <laughs> and then you just clean it out and just go click, stick it back in there and hit the button and it goes. I think that's what like a real doll is, where you can like disassemble that whole like assembly part and pull it out. If I had to clean out my girlfriend with like a toilet brush, I don't know. I don't think I would. Well, you don't have a whole lot of choice in these cases. Otherwise, she's just going to have a smelly cunt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we don't. So we've determined there probably is a process, but we don't know if he abides by it or uh, not. 
Right. Or if she's just very smelly. Nicholas notes it was time for a checkup. We see him walk into the living room and kick the carpet, yelling whore. He can still hear them going at it in the other room. Nicholas notes that there was no end in sight. The problems were just beginning. We hear a doorbell ring, and Kim shows up in a transparent uh, outfit, answering the door. It was the mailman there just to deliver mail. He seems a bit uncomfortable as Kim answers the door, you know, in a see-through gown. And uh, he steps in, and Kim kind of walks him down and pushes him onto the bed. He tells her to stop it, but she does not. Nicholas comes home. We see him outside the door hearing something, and uh, Kim is riding the mailman reverse cowgirl on the couch. She has the remote in her hand. Nicholas walks in, and he and Kim lock eyes as she continues to ride the mailman. Narration says, what could I do? Destroy my creation? Possibly, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. She rubs the mailman's balls with the remote as she continues to ride him. Kim hits the remote a few times as she keeps going, looking at Nicholas. She leans back and the mailman comes on her pubes as she crines against his cock more. Nicholas stares down at his drawings, his concept drawings for his uh, robot. And we see him go through and start to mark X's through all of them with a black marker and scribble through it as she continues to fuck the mail guy. He says in narration, I nearly found perfection, but now I'd achieve true perfection. We see him back in his Frankenstein room, and he pulls the lever, and we see more flashes. We cut to later, and we see him sitting in his bed. He says this time, he was happy and fully assured. So we see him with his remote, and he's controlling his new object, this being Kim Too, mm-hmm. who is a uh, black woman with short curly hair. Yeah, played by uh, it's Catherine. Uh. Catherine Marcel. Yeah, this is as uh, far as I can tell her only role, which is a shame. I think she's pretty attractive. Yeah. Be nice to see more of her. Indeed. But we don't get to, unless you just watch this again and again. <laughs> we see her blowing Nicholas. And he notes, and then something went wrong. So we see Kim, one, (laughs) walk in the room. She's wearing these long gloves, thigh-high boots, and a collar. She gets on the bed next to Nicholas and then pulls Kim, two off of Nicholas and pushes Nicholas off the bed. (laughs) The two Kims start to make out, and Nicholas is forced to watch from the sidelines. He ends up walking out of the room, hearing their moans continue. They 69 and stimulate each other with their hands and mouths. He's smoke-typing in the other room, asking what's to become of him. We hear the beep of the remote, and then he stands up and walks back toward the bedroom. He walks back there, and the two robots are waiting on him. He then disrobes and approaches the bed. In narration, he says... I had no will of my own anymore. I had become a male object, a robot. Le homme object. Oh. The what, two, is, what is that, French? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the two robots are side by side in doggy position, and he fucks one. Uh, he fucks one Kim, and then uh, goes and fucks the other Kim back and forth, uh, switching as the button on the remote gets pressed. He goes back and forth a few times, and then we hear another beep, and we see him pull out and come on Kim 2's ass. We see Kim 1 lick the cum off of Kim 2's ass. Yeah, she doesn't lick lick it up, but she, she kind of pushes it around with her tongue a bit. Yeah, that's true. She's playing with her food. <laughs> she rubs Kim 2's clit a bit as she's doing this. We then see Nicholas leave the room and sit down in his desk. R2-D2 rolls around and off the side of the desk, falling on the floor. Nicholas closes his eyes, and we get a shot of R2-D2's head spinning. Finn. Ah. And that was Le Femme Objet, programmed for pleasure. Wow, that really was programmed for my pleasure. It sure was. It was quite pleasant. It was pleasantville. (laughs) All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Le Femme Objet. Don't you dare staple me. I think I will. But no. I think I'll wait till one, I'm done. All right. Well, <laughs> welcome back to the Raincoat Files on the Raincoat Report. Oh, yeah. It's time for Jeremy to give his Raincoat review. So, Jeremy, uh, do it. Okay. Hello again. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a fine, fine fuck film. Yeah. It's a kind of a little bit of everything that I like. I think the story was uh, pretty well developed for a film that's basically an endless string of uh, sex scenes. Yeah. I think there's uh, the narration helps that certainly, but I think uh, Claude does a uh, pretty bang up job of expressing emotions through sex scenes. Yeah. Uh, certainly during the scenes with Sabine, uh, where she ends up breaking a glass, and just that uh, was similar with like Lucille just passing out. Um, things like that. Right. That I think kind of uh, drive the point home that this uh, character, this main guy you're dealing with here, Nicholas isn't such a uh, a great person right um so i think the film does a pretty good job of a uh, being sort of a, of a portrait of this particular man and his uh sexual obsessions right that drive him to create what he thinks should be his perfect partner 
uh, only to have the tables reversed on him in the end. Right. And I thought that was a pretty solid uh, twist of an ending there. And I think like a lot of European stuff, it's a little, maybe a little bit more intelligent than some of the American films that we watch and what it has to say. Yeah. So there's sort of a reversal of the uh, sexual politics of the film. Uh, brought about at the end right where previously it had only been about uh his pleasure and uh the like male viewers pleasure in general if you want to expand it out that far and how that becomes reversed by the end with the uh female taking control right him uh dehumanized into a, a sex object so i think the film has something to say and it does it with fucking, which uh, I think is something I can really appreciate. I think it's a well-shot film. Obviously, some good performances. Marilyn Jess doesn't... I don't say she doesn't act a whole lot, but, I mean, she doesn't have any dialogue, obviously, but she's obviously uh, acting still. Yeah. You get kind of her transition from being, like, very naive to... Uh, being the dominant one without words and i think that's something that can be pretty hard to pull off but i think it's done really well here yeah i think that the nature of the role demanded a lot of subtlety to the performance mm -hmm. and uh she seemed to deliver 100 percent on that yeah certainly um so overall this foray into uh science fiction porno it's a Definitely a soft sci-fi, I would say. Yeah. Um, even compared to Fem Alien 2 and its uh, alien technologies. Right. But, I don't know, I kind of enjoy that stuff. It's sort of like a, like a good Twilight Zone episode in a way. Right. Where it's got that sort of uh, twist ending to it and kind of also is a little, maybe like a bit of a fable about uh, humanity as a whole. Yeah. Um, Bit so, of a morality tale. Yeah, some, yeah, like that. So, all in all, very enjoyable film. I would give it a, a nice big four. Or as they say in French, I don't know, I can only count in German. Sink? Cinco? Sink is five. Uno. Dos. That's Spanish. <laughs> if you know what it's it's quatre it's q u a t r e oh yeah i believe yeah look who was paying attention in french class <laughs> well, why don't you give us your review on francais oui non oh. <laughs> um I really, really like this movie. Um, I'd agree that in a sense it is kind of just uh, duct taping a bunch of sex scenes together. Mm -hmm. But the framing device, even if it is a whole bunch of just him smoking and typing with narration over it, it's really effective in kind of tying the plot together. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that it is kind of an interesting take on this Pygmalion idea. Um, going back to the opening of Misty Beethoven, which is kind of the the easy reference point, mm -hmm. um, you know, for our podcast. 
Yes. I think it's interesting because the opening of Misty Beethoven and I guess, what is it, My Fair Lady? Is that the movie? Yes. The classic film? The classic. Um, That sort of approach has you kind of uh, identifying with and relating to the... uh, The Fair Lady? The Fair Lady Uh of the story. But this is interesting in the sense that because it's a robot, she doesn't really have any direct feelings, I guess. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as we kind of hinted at when you were talking, like Marilyn just does give a lot of uh, subtle acting along the way Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, expresses the point. But I think that the audience, especially an intelligent audience, can kind of pick up on the fact that Nicholas is being selfish throughout this film and driving the people around him away. And, you know, again, the the ultimate uh, form of that is him deciding to just create a robot because at the end of the day, no human woman is going to want to keep up with his unreasonable demands. Yeah, I would say I thought this movie kind of started out a little slow because it does take a while to get to the central uh, conceit of the film, more or less. Right. But going back on it and thinking about it like as a whole, uh, I think that pacing worked pretty well yeah and Um, and i think that like it's worth noting that like there's nothing sci-fi in this movie for the first half of it yeah yeah it's really just him being an obnoxious lover um but that kind of you know builds up the story for this and kind of gives you the background in order for like the rest of the story to really take hold yeah definitely so there's a lot of good sex in here and uh I think it's interesting because there are a few like montages of sex, like him and Lucille. There's a bunch of sex mm-hmm. acts kind of chained together. And usually in porn, you want to get as much out of each single sexual encounter as you can right. on screen. But there are a lot of short ones, which yeah. is pretty cool. I it, think it keeps the variety going. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that variety is definitely good when you have um, a film that is sort of just like an endless series of sex scenes yeah and and i don't think that the movie gets bogged down because like there are a lot of movies even good ones where at some point i'm like all right this sex scene's been going on forever and i never got that feeling in this movie it's similar to me um kind of to barbara broadcast okay where uh the story being told um, doesn't suffer from the amount of like sex that occurs within the film. Yeah, I know the story in that one's a lot thinner, but uh, I think it serves like a similar thing where it just kind of works, um, and that helps uh, if you know how to shoot it and right uh, what the people want to see, and just kind of keep uh, keep it moving. Exactly. So. Uh... All of that's great, and of course, Marilyn Jess in this movie, my God. Yeah. If I Honestly, I think that there should be a warning on the outside of that <laughs> package, because I feel, like, I feel like I'm in serious danger of getting a boner so hard <laughs> that one of my blood vessels is going to rupture, and then I'm going to bleed to death from my oh, dick. No. Oh, man. So, yeah, just keep that in mind if you approach this film. Oh, yeah. Watch your out. boner may explode. Yeah, your boner is going to just shoot blood right out the end of it. 
But uh, yeah, she is incredibly hot, and she's p- placed in a bunch of like leather fetishy gear throughout the film, which yeah. helps. And she's got a uh, she's uh, programmed for pleasure. She sure was. <laughs> so overall, I think it's a great film. Uh, I would also give it four stars. Here, 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 here. So be it. It is written and will forever be. Oh uh, yeah, unless society collapses. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> well, let's see what happens between this week and next. All right. Well, if uh, the society doesn't collapse between now and next week, we'll be back. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. Uh, email us at raincoatreport at gmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you're at your friend's house and you're watching a movie and his boner starts spurting blood don't forget your raincoat 